actually about all these athletes actually Haphazardly is not one part of the strategy gone Development It's all we envelop in Tell a friend A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in The conferences, Pac-12 and Big 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win Guys, welcome in. This is Devi Manuel, episode 39, where we go where we talk about the fantasy football landscape, anywhere from college football to NFL draft to even the Hall of Fame. But right now we're focusing on the NFL draft, obviously, with the senior bowl going on this week and everybody, you know, getting their hypes up over all these rookies that are are incoming rookies. So this is what we're gonna talk about senior bowl, and then we're gonna go over the 2021 rookie running back class. Uh first up, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Joseph Nemore. How you doing, Joseph? I'm good, Dwight. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just trying to stay sane, man. Heading to Key West next week, so I'm excited about that. So awesome. Get out of this cold weather for a couple days. Um, this week we have a special guest. This guy is uh, one of the draft analysts over at the NFL Draft Bible and SI. So I want to welcome him, Mr. Zach Dietz. How you doing, Zach? How you guys doing today? It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, Zach was uh, gracious enough to fill in for us last minute, so. We had another guy lined up, but he uh, had to bow out because he said he didn't get any sleep this week. Which I does any? Are we supposed to sleep this week? I didn't know that. Like I'm not getting much sleep, so I don't know. But that's my normal week, I guess. So, and the reason he didn't get any sleep is no senior bowl because right now everything's going on, everything's heading on, everything's happening this week. So we're gonna just kind of bounce around a little bit, round table things that we see that we've liked so far, things that we haven't liked. Uh, talk about some of the hype guys. Um, that are getting just crazy amounts of hype. So first up, Zach, I'm going to give you a, the first shot at this one, Zach. Who do you think has been impressed so far or impressive thus far? Well, I'm sure we all know the Senior Bowl is a great opportunity for, you know, prospects, maybe not the most notarized ones to get a lot of publicity, you know, put their skills to the test against some really good uh, competition. The Senior Bowl has done a great job of bringing in elite talent the past few years and a guy who's gotten a lot of hype of recent and he's been excellent at the senior bowl has been Dwayne Eskridge. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Dwayne Eskridge from central Michigan. He, Oh, I'm sorry. Western Michigan. He, uh, undersized guy. He's projected to run in the four threes and just the way he's been performing this week, guys, like I'm, I don't like making comparisons like this, but it's eerily similar to what Terry McLaurin did two years ago, where McLaurin came into the Senior Bowl with very little production at Ohio State, and all the one-on-ones, all the drills, all even the game. I think like he just he was clearly the best player on the field, and that is what Eskridge has done. He has just been cooking defensive backs. You know, he's showcasing that speed. He's got that great route running ability. And I really think he's played himself in to being at least a round two pick. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top 50. We know how much NFL teams value speed. So Eskridge is definitely a big winner for me this week. Joseph, uh, what about you? Eskridge, I mean, from everything I've seen on Twitter, and that's really the only senior bowl content that I've been able to consume he looks impressive. Uh, I know he's uh, a little bit undersized, and he's—I think he's twenty-four. He'll be twenty-four and a half 
by week one. So he's on the older side. That's a 50-year uh, senior. He played some cornerback in college, but everything we've seen so far in the clips that have surfaced from the senior bowl, he looks really good. Very shifty. He's elusive. He uses good play strength to separate uh, like at the top of his breaks and create some space for himself, whether he's uh, kind of coming back on an in-breaking route or if he's trying to uh, run a deep post or something like that. I- I've seen him look good on a number of different routes. It looks like he has a diverse route tree from the few clips I've seen, uh, and he looks impressive. I don't really know a whole lot about him other than that. Uh, Dwight, I know you've done a little bit more analysis or at least some film study on him. Do you have any other thoughts? Right, right. Yeah, this this hype is, is, is crazy. I mean, it really is. He is a very electric player. There are some concerns. I don't think the size is as much of a concern. I mean, 5'9", 190 is not, you know, like a string bean. Terrible, you know, like he, but he's a little bit smaller cat. Um, but I, I like the tenacity of which he plays with. Like We've mentioned all these other attributes that he's showing this week you know the the boy i mean if he gets jammed to the line he's gone like he is so quick at shuffling his you know the jumping out of his lateral agility is ridiculous and he cuts within the routes you know without losing any sort of speed so it's obviously the speed is there but you, you know and then like i mentioned the tenacity he blocks i love watching him block i noticed that a lot in the games he played i did notice um quite a few drops like over the, not like a ton, no, nobody, you know, but balls that I thought he should have caught, you know, so this year, this week has, has bought him a lot of hype, but in this class, I'm still not going to move him up into my top 12. And I think round one, round two is a little ambitious. I think some NFL team will probably do maybe second. I think he's more of a third round type guy, but he's obviously made himself a lot of money this week. And I, I don't know, we, we kind of, I went back and forth a little with Jared Wackerly this morning on Twitter that you know these one-on-one routes are they're there for the wide receivers. I mean those yes. they're not gonna get they're not gonna get yep. jammed like that in the NFL. You know, the, the corners are a couple yards off, you know. They they get a little bit of so the, these are, you know, you see all these highlights, all these guys just toasting cornerbacks. And you know, these guys are all not gonna do that in the NFL. Come on. I'm not taking anything away from what Eskridge did. He does look amazing. And if you watch his tape, he is crazy, crazy quick. He's got kickoff returns for touchdowns. I mean, he is so smart. Like, just there's a lot to like about his game. The age, the size, a little bit of a concern, and then also the uh, yeah, obviously the level of competition he faced. So, to touch on that real quick, though, before the Senior Bowl, I had watched one game of his just to get an idea of what he played like, and I comped him to Stephen Sims. He's probably going to get draft capital that Stephen Sims didn't, but he seems like a shifty player that can run a, a few different routes. Um, Sims was an electric kick and punt returner at Kansas uh, that kind of beat up on lesser competition. I view Eskridge in a similar mold, probably with better draft capital. I think he can play a complementary role at the next level. I don't really see him as much more than that, but I guess we'll see. I know Van Jefferson got similar types of hype last year at the Senior Bowl where he was just consistently dominating one-on-ones, similar to how Eskridge is now. I know those aren't the same type of player, but just interesting to see what senior bowl hype can do to a player stock. Yeah. And Eskridge weighed in pretty nicely. I mean, for a guy, his size, he was, uh, basically five, nine, even 188 pounds, uh, nine inch hands. So, uh, I believe, uh, we brought up the drops before, but you know, 
like I said, he's just the speed element that he brings to a team. He doesn't have that great production. I believe Todd McShay said on the broadcast on ESPN today, he's like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a first round pick. Well, I would definitely be surprised if that was the case. You know, we can't we can't overreact to a couple one on one rep reps at the senior bowl. But Eskridge has definitely made himself a ton of money this week. You know those mainstream guys, the ESPN, the SI, you know, stuff like oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm Some kidding, mainstreamers. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, Zach. <laughs> I think Joe's about spit spit on that. I can't believe you said that. Yeah, I, I have bad dad jokes. So I always have bad dad jokes. So. All right, Joseph, is there anybody else you saw last couple days or anybody that you caught some of the clips of that you were really impressed with? We don't need to spend a lot of time on any of them, um, but I've seen some positive news about uh, Mac Jones, Amari Rogers, Nico Collins here and there, and a handful of other guys. Um, I mean, like you said, these one-on-ones are designed to make the wide receivers look good. So I'm really just concerned if players don't look good. I think everyone has won on a number of routes. The releases uh, is something I like to watch against press, but really what I'm looking for in these one-on-ones is the ability to win every single one, similar to what Eskridge is doing, or if they're losing somewhat consistently. That's a major red flag for me. But outside of that, um, I don't really put too much stock into them. That's basically it. Zach, I don't know if there's any other names besides the couple that I mentioned that you've seen any news on. Uh, yeah, not to waste that much time on it, because I know we're going to dive into some running backs in a little bit, but a few guys that have definitely uh, looked very, very good this week have been the UCF cornerback, Aaron Robinson. You know, his weigh-in was a little disappointing. He came in with 30-inch arms, which... Um, you know, might knock him off some boards, but in terms of being a slot corner, I believe I saw, I forget where it was on Twitter. He played a hundred snaps at the, uh, as a slot this past season for the, uh, golden Knights. So I, so I do believe that, you know, he's got the talent. He's been one of the few corners that hasn't been getting annihilated on in one-on-one drills. Somebody else, the D3 Quinn, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Quinn uh, Miners from uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, Division Three. You know, he's looked really impressive against better competition. Uh, just to name a few guys that from the limited tape that I viewed that have been kind of disappointing have been, I would probably say, Alex Leatherwood. You know, his measurement came in really good. His arms were over 34 inches. He looks like a prototypical left tackle, but what we've seen at the Senior Bowl so far has definitely backed up what I saw on tape and that just the foot speed isn't there. The, an- uh, the anchor is good, but, you know, he's not the most flexible tackle. I see him struggling with speed rushers in the NFL, and I definitely do envision a move inside, whether it is to left guard or right guard when he starts his NFL career. What do you think about Kyle Trask, Zach? Did he really hurt himself by not showing up or not able to play? Uh-huh. Um, supposedly he's been dealing with an ankle injury, so it's really hard to knock him. I will say it's not ideal only because, you know, Trask at one point was getting some hype. I'm not saying it was correct hype, but I was seeing some as Trask, the new Burrow comparisons, which made my eyes want to bleed. Um, in terms of a prospect, uh, Kyle Trask, you know, he's got the size, you know, 
Some people, they do like his arm. He's just, he needed to prove that the accuracy and, you know, the progressing through each read, you know, that was going to be um, something he could deal with. He needed to, he needed this senior bowl week to show that he could be possibly worth a first round pick, maybe early second round pick. And I feel like he's been out overshadowed by some of the other quarterbacks. Mac Jones was absolutely phenomenal this year. He's my quarterback five right now after the consensus consensus top four of Lawrence fields, Wilson and Lance, whatever order. Uh, Kellen Mond is another mid round option that I do like. And Jamie Newman, who didn't play this year, he's got the arm. I definitely feel like with a strong senior bowl week, he could be valued above Kyle Trask. So there's a real chance that Kyle Trask could go from a guy that many had perceived back in, you know, the fall in October, November as a first round pick. And maybe he could slide all the way to day three. Right. Totally agree, man. Yeah. He, he needed a, a good showing this week would have would have definitely helped. Newman looked pretty good yesterday, and I heard he had two interceptions today to close practice. So that's yeah. not not great, not ideal. Now our notes we have: yeah. Devonte Smith not weighing in. I I don't have any issue with that. I think we all know how much he's going to weigh. I mean, he's he's one seventy. I mean, that's what he is. You know, yeah. I, I don't think anything would have changed anything differently by him measuring in. So uh, yeah. I, I don't either. My concern is that people seem to be double counting it. I don't know if it was Bucky Brooks or someone at a major outlet mentioning how he was concerned how Devontae Smith isn't going to weigh in until the Alabama Pro Day. Like, if you've watched Devontae Smith, you know he looks like a string bean and you know it doesn't matter when it comes to how he plays. So, I just, the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because I want to make sure that people don't double count it or use it as a major negative um, when he does finally weigh in and you see that he's 175 soaking wet because you already know that. And that's really one of the only big concerns about his game is his weight. So um, I think most people that are kind of tuned into how this process works every year uh, know how measurements and uh, measurables tend to inflate or deflate players' stock. I just want to make sure that Smith stays where he belongs uh, after he weighs in. But the thing with Devontae Smith, as Joseph said, we all know he's light. I've heard from some people that the thing with Smith is that he has been consistently weighing in around that 162 to 164 pound mark, and he's failing to surpass that. now. I don't have that hardly that this is just stuff that I've been hearing. That is very concerning. And I do agree with what Joseph said. Like you watch the tape of Devontae Smith. He looks like a superstar and he is going to have a first round grade for me on my board, but it would be foolish for me or any person who follows the draft to not be honest with themselves and realize you're betting on a massive, massive outlier. And it, I don't, care what his stat line i don't care what heisman or whatever trophy he won this is a 164 pound man who's you're who some people have wide receiver one i've seen some people mock him as high as what as number two overall which i think would be absolutely ludicrous i would take several wide receivers before Devonte smith just for the sole purpose of that 
I trust their projection more to the NFL. And it's not even just that I think he's worse, which I do. I believe um, I have Smith as wide receiver three or four right now. It's kind of tight between him and Rashad Bateman. But Jamar Chase was phenomenal in LSU. I don't care that he missed a year. His He had one of the best seasons of uh, I thought his I thought Jamar Chase's 2019 personally was better than Devontae Smith's 2020 just because of the different downfield routes he ran and just the uh, overall value of routes he ran. I'm also a huge Jalen Waddle fan. I'm a Waddle over Smith guy. I think he's excellent. But Devontae Smith, the uh, I don't want to go on too long, but Devontae Smith, you know, he's awesome. I'm hoping for a success. He seems like a super nice kid. He's a hard worker. You know, he's a great talent. But I think we just, as I said, we need to realize that he's not some slam dunk wide receiver one start day one. He's going to put up like 1,500 yards in the NFL. I don't think it's responsible to feel that way. Let's dive into these running backs. We'll talk about a couple of them during the uh, what they've done. A couple of them have already showed some pretty good stuff in the senior role practices. So we'll dive right in. Uh, let me get my list here. Sorry, kind of switch sheets here on myself. We all have Najee Harris as running back number one. So Zach, why do you have him at number one? Just the overall skill set, man. I mean, I watched Najee Harris over the summer. I've watched all his games from this year, and he he reminds me of a quicker uh, early career Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you know, if we if he would have came out last year, he would have been like probably a third, maybe a second, or probably like a third, maybe even fourth round pick. Um, but just the way he ended last season and how he played this year, you know, just shouldering the load for Alabama in the running game. You know, he obviously has that inc- crazy explosiveness. We've seen him hurdle many of defenders. Um, his vision has gotten so much better, and he's become a true, true receiving threat out of the backfield. You know, this isn't just some... He's not Derrick Henry. It's lazy to compare him to Derrick Henry because they're big, strong Alabama running backs. This guy can provide you value in the passing game. He's a good pass blocker. you know. And he just showed out against really good competition. The college football playoff, he was excellent throughout. And in terms of all of these running backs, I feel like he is the safest, most complete projection to be a bell cow. And if we're talking fantasy purposes, I... If he goes to a good situation, he's a first-round pick, in my opinion. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's kind of, I mean, Joseph, I don't know if you have anything to add, but that's pretty much everything I have, too. He's just he's just a beast, man. I mean, he's a solid, very good running back. You know, I don't think he'll ever be, like, an amazing, you know, 2,000-yard back or anything like that, but he'll be that guy that gets 1,300, 1,400 yards every year, you know, throws on another four or 500 receiving, possibly. He's just, I think he's going to be, from day one, like a, 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 like a mid-RB1, low-end RB1, like right right off the bat. So I think it's almost as safe as can be no matter what situation. I heard that the Dolphins were working him out off to the side today by themselves. So I think that's that would be kind of a sexy pick. Uh, I like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, he'd be so much fun in Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. All right, Joseph, you have... ETN at number two, that's where I have him as well. So why do you have ETN over Williams? Just to circle back on Harris real quick, it's very rare that a running back returns to school and really increases his stock to the point where I think it's worth it for him to do that. 
But Harris, I think, made himself a lot of money. I think he improved in pretty much every area. And the, I mean, the steps he took from last year to this year, I think, were huge. Whereas the runner I have at number two, Travis Etienne, I had at number one for almost the entire year because uh, that's where I had him coming into the season. I thought he's, I think Harris is a more prototypical number one running back. But based on everything I'd seen from Travis Etienne over the first few years of his career, he's a home run threat with good speed, but absolutely elite acceleration and top end contact balance. So I think those two things are what make him such a high end prospect. I do have some vision concerns with him. Really what keeps him at number two for me in such a weak class is he's probably going to get first round draft capital, first round running backs are something I will always chase in fantasy. Um, Even if he's an early second round pick, he's probably going to end up uh, in a good situation where he's most likely going to lead a committee. And I think based on how explosive he is, he's made huge strides as a pass catcher. He's a guy that I think edges out uh, Javante Williams, who's right behind him. So why is Javante Williams ahead of ETN, Zach? I just watched Devontae Williams, and obviously he was a guy, along with Michael Carter, who is my running back four currently. He's a guy who kind of came out of nowhere, and it only takes a few plays of watching Devontae Williams in 2020 to see the vision for a guy his size. Um, you know, I believe he's five, I believe he's listed 5'11, 220 pounds, and he's not a slow guy. Um, I believe the school has him verified at about four, him running a four four eight forty 40-yard dash, which would be a great time for him. And his running style, he he's like a Nick Chubb clone to me, guys. Like, I watched Devontae Williams, and he has a first-round grade for me. In terms of, like, we could talk about the value of actually taking a running back in the NFL draft round one, but, you know, sometimes... You, Sometimes these guys are just too talented, and in my opinion, are they? Can you get a good guy on day three, or even UDFA like a James Robinson or like a Philip Lindsay? Sure, of course you can, but you know when talent is that good, you have to jump at the chance to get them. And Javante Williams, in my opinion, with his all-around skill set, his running style, which always ends up positive, which always ends in positives, excuse me. Like I remember Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the big thing with him last year was that like he very, very rarely had a run or even a play where it ended up, you know, negatively impacting the LSU offense. And it's basically the same thing with Javante Williams. Like he's just such a positive player. And I he's a guy that you can really trust. And I just value that more than a guy like ETN who I'm not um I'm not convinced can really, you know, like be the guy in a backfield. Right. I I, I understand those concerns. Like the gap for me between ETN and and Williams is really, really small. Um, I do. If Javante Williams would have done it more than just this year, I probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be a gap. I don't think some of the things I've noticed recently that people have pointed out about ETN is that he just goes north and south. And the more I watch him, it's true. Like he does not have a lot of lateral agility, but he always, you know, when he goes north and south, he's like, he makes good decisions. And like Joseph said, that elite deceleration is just maybe there's a part of me that still has ETN number two, because I'm stubborn. 
because I've had, a, I had him at number one for so long, you know, for several years, I felt like as, as you know, as that class of last year, you know, I thought, yeah, like Joseph said, I thought he lost a lot of money by coming back. Maybe, uh, who knows? I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how these three shake out. So. The one thing I wanted to see Javante do to earn the running back two spot in this class was dominate Notre Dame. Notre Dame is one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, it was one of his real tests against strong competition to prove that he was an elite back in this class. And he kind of floundered in that game, and his teammate, Michael Carter, uh, looked a lot better. Michael Carter doesn't have the size or the power that Javante Williams does. Williams is more likely to end up as a bell cow at the next level, which is what we're always chasing. So that's why I have Williams at three. But to me, I have some concerns about his game. Um, I think it was Noah Hills on Twitter that comped Javante Williams to Jay Ajayi, and I love it. Um, Ajayi was one of my favorites back in the 2015 class, I want to say. As we know, the thing that dropped Ajayi to the fifth round in the draft uh, was his degenerative knee condition, which is ultimately what ended up kicking him out of the league. So um, Ajayi was a violent runner. I see the same violence in Javante. I think they're both capable pass catchers, although not necessarily threats. And I think they can handle the load. So depending on draft capital, uh, Williams is definitely the end of the tier of the top two or top three runners, however you have them. All right. Yeah. Now, now it gets dicey. And <laughs> now I, I probably should have done this ahead of time and done like a, uh, an average of, you know, to kind of see, but we've got guys all over the place here. So let me see. You just, Joseph, you just talked. So let's go, Matt, let's go, or geez, Zach, who is your <laughs> RB four now? Uh, we just talked about him a little bit and he is having a good, a very good senior goal so far. Michael Carter, you know, the running mate uh, alongside probably the lightning to uh, Javante Williams' thunder. He was incredible this year, too. Many people, I mean, I don't know how many people know this, he actually finished with more rushing yards, and I believe all-purpose yards, than Javante Williams. Michael Carter, he's a little smaller. He's listed at 5'8", 199. I wish, I wish I had the senior bowl measurements in front of me right now, but I um, have actually. Um Michael Carter weighed or measured in at 58202, which is a good weight for him. Well, I don't know okay, if we care cool. about wingspan, arm or hand, but yeah, yeah. 202 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean like basically what he what uh UNC listed him off at uh you know, like I said, I think he's more of a uh, threat in the receiving game. He might have a little more speed to him. I believe we have him verified at four four five that would be his 40 times so he's got a little bit more juice um you know but he's super efficient and even in, in 2019 uh he rushed for over a thousand yards for the tar heels but what really impressed me this year was the vision he went from averaging 5.7 yards per carry to eight even this year so he's another guy along with javante williams where very rarely you would put the ball in both these guys hands and they would get stuff like they just put out positive plays and carter he displays that elusiveness as i just said he's improving as a pass catcher and you know is do i think he could be a bell cow like javante williams like a 20 touches per guy running back no but like as a 1b and like a backfield 
for like a team that can use a receiving compliment and also get like 12 carries a game, something like that. Like he could fill, I could definitely see Michael Carter going into the NFL and filling the role for a team that Kareem Hunt's doing right now. And we all know Kareem Hunt, you know, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, I'm not going to bring up the stuff that has gone on with him in the past, but he has the talent to carry a team uh, if he did so. But, you know, he helps out the Browns a lot, and I feel like Michael Carter could definitely have that same role for an NFL franchise. I just want to bring up a couple stats uh, courtesy of PFF just to highlight uh, Javante versus Michael Carter. So they obviously are on the same team. So they had two games against uh, teams that PFF ranked inside the top 50 in run defense. In those two games, Javante Williams averaged 3.42 yards per carry with 4.17% of his runs going for 10 or more yards. Michael Carter rushed for 7.12 yards per carry, uh, so almost four yards more per carry, and 23.5% of his carries went for 10 or more yards, which is about 20% more than Williams. So they played the same teams, and Carter was much more effective against those top-end run defenses. I know one of those games was Notre Dame that I mentioned Williams didn't look great in, but something to keep in mind with Carter Depending on his draft capital, I think he is a guy that could drastically outperform uh, where he's drafted at. And it's funny that you mentioned Javante as Thunder and Carter as Lightning, because I thought Carter ran really well inside. Like I, I liked the way he, he picked holes really well and he has these really quick feet and these really quick quick little jumps, you know, and he's really he runs with really good power and balance too. So I, I thought he was a really good inside runner and outside. I don't know. I yeah, I, I, like I was his, just being stereotypical with like, you know, right. Javante being the bigger guy and Michael being the smaller guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's but I mean I can see where people would say that and but they both have really good skill sets and I don't know if Carter can be I think I don't know. I, I, I wonder about the whole three down thing, but I think he could be enough to where he would be an effective starter, you know. So Okay. So we got him at four. Who Joseph, who do you got it for? I didn't notice. Trey Sermon from Ohio State. My four through nine will honestly just throw them in a scrambler and whoever gets drafted first in the NFL draft is who I'll prefer there. Uh, Right now I have Sermon at four uh, because I think he has that prototypical bell cow size. I think he measured in at the senior bowl at um, six feet and 213 pounds, which is actually a little lighter than I thought he would be. But I don't know if... That injury that knocked him out of the uh, national championship game uh, has prevented him from working out. Or I, I don't want to presume anything, but uh, Sermon, I think, is a guy expected to be in the 220-pound range. But I know uh, Dwight and I have talked about him on the show before, uh, but Sermon is a guy that we really all expected to uh, take the reins at Oklahoma and dominate that backfield from day one. And he performed well as a freshman, but he always seemed to be splitting time with Kennedy Brooks. Uh, so I was excited to see him uh, in a backfield by himself at Ohio State with a dual threat um, passer like Justin Fields that would open some rushing lanes for him. And he started the year kind of slow and I was totally off of him. And then I think he got fully healthy. And what we saw down the stretch from him is a bruising runner with good contact balance that can convert on the goal line, that can catch passes, 
And I think he's a complete back. Now, I don't think he has the upside of the guys we already talked about, which is why he's fourth for me. But I think he could get day two draft, day two draft capital. And to me, I think he has the highest upside of the guys left just based on his size and his skill set. My number four is based on what I conceive as upside also, and that's Kenny Gainwell from Memphis. And mine is all with a caveat, just like you in the same I'm in the same vein with these guys. I want to see draft capital. Gainwell is a little bit different, though. I want to see what he, if he measures in at his pro day. I want to see him, I'd love to see him put on 20 pounds of muscle because that was like the biggest knock. You know, he was, I think, 5'9", 5'10", 195. Like he was like just a little bit on the slender side. If he could put on 20 pounds of muscle and come in and show that he's been working his tail off, I mean, I, I just remember what I watched from Kenneth Gainwell. I loved his speed, his elusiveness. Definitely more of an outside runner, but did, was patient enough inside, sets up blocks, and then when he would find that hole, he would just be gone. So I, just, I really love. he was my RB3 going into the year, and I really wanted to watch him play this year. So I hope that he used the offseason to bulk up a little bit. I think that was everybody's big concern about him, but he is a pass catcher. He can do it all. If he put on some weight and, and looks good and still fast and agile, I mean, he could potentially be a three-down back upside you know that's what we're shooting for so that's i still love kenneth gainwell a lot i was watching a couple of the 2019 games of him and i'm like man i just love watching the kid play you know he's just he's really really electric both of you have him at six so zach why do you have gainwell down at six uh i have him down at six the way my board is constructed, i kind of have harris and williams those are two guys who i currently have first round grades on just talent wise uh, then I have a cluster, you know, ETN quarter, Sermon Gainwell, and uh, Virginia Tech's Khalil Herbert in that day two range. And then everybody else I have a day three grade on. But, you know, Kenny Gainwell, very good, you know, insane production in 2019. As you brought up, he he's not that big of a guy, and that kind of worried me on tape. You know, uh, his contact balance, in my opinion, off of 2019 tape, it was a little concerning. You know, this isn't a guy... It was like a Darren Sproles that would get, you know, pushed around a little bit and he'll just, you know, bounce, uh, pop back up and, you know, keep running. You know, I worry about, you know, his core strength, his ability to run through contact. There is a possibility, in my opinion, that he could just be like a nice little, like, theoretic kind of player, like just a receiving back in the NFL. But he does, he does have very good vision. You know, he's a smart player. He's able to find the hole. He's quick getting to the outside. I like Kenny Gainwell, but he's more of a guy who I would spend probably a third round pick on, maybe, you know, on that day two, day three border. I think those are all good points. To me, Gainwell is the clear fourth most talented back in this class. I just have concerns about his projection that are mainly based around his weight. I think if he weighs in under 200, um, I don't think he's getting draft capital. Therefore, I think his role will be as exclusively as a pass catcher, uh, which we know for fantasy purposes has a high floor, uh, but not necessarily the ceiling that we want to go along with it. So the reason I have him at six and not higher um, is because I don't think he has the ceiling that the other guys do. Uh, pending, he gets draft capital uh, and gets used utilized heavily in the passing game. I think he could easily be a guy that catches 50 to 60 pass, passes a year, 
I'm just nervous that that will only come with like maybe five rushes per game. Joseph, I'll let you take Jamar Jefferson. You have them the highest at five. I have them at six, and Zach has them at eight. But once again, part of that second tier, kind of, sort of. Although Zach has day three, right? Don't you have him on? Yeah, he's like, okay. he's probably that one guy who's on my. Uh, yeah, he's he's very very close to be. He he might be like the first guy in that day three range for me. It's very it was very tight finding a trade right. for him. Uh, just what do you love about Jamar, man? Not a lot. I mean, in terms of loving, uh, there isn't anything with him that really stands out as elite, which is somewhat as a, of a concern, I think. Um, but I think he does everything well, and I think he's more likely to get a um, workhorse-type role than someone like Gainwell. Now, after the draft, if he ends up in a committee and Gainwell is like the clear pass catching running back in a committee. I'll probably prioritize Gainwell knowing the floor, but Jefferson is a guy that was highly thought of in Devi circles after his freshman season. And then he got hurt last year. Our Tavis Pierce stepped up. Uh, they kind of shared the load and then Jefferson was basically forgotten coming into this year, but I think he's, Looked very promising. I, he's on a horrible team in the Pac-12. Everyone knows that he's basically the only player on that team that they need to stop and haven't really been able to do a very good job of it. He had a couple 200-yard rushing games in their abbreviated season. I think he has good vision. He's not a guy I am super high on. I guess I'm highest on him out of everyone here. I think he could be a, a workout horse running back if everything broke right around him, but I don't have strong feelings about him. That's kind of where I'm at. Dwight, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I liked the the quick feet, change of direction, vision and balance, but his strength is what bothered me. There was times where he would just go down with almost no contact at all, which worried me. And then he caught 25 passes his freshman year, but only 18 since then. So he showed the ability to catch the ball. And, and then just kind of went away from it. I don't know if that's a product of the offense, though. So Jamar is one that, you know, we'll, he'll have a role in the NFL, I think, and he'll be a good, decent fill-in back here and there, you know, so he'll find a spot. But, yeah, I, I kind of see what – I'm in the same boat, you know. Like, I have him at six, but, yeah. yeah. What does it mean at six? You know, like, kind of like – Zach, I wanted to bounce over to you because Khalil Herbert – is a very interesting, interesting player. I fell in love with him the first couple games of the season, and then the rest of the season he didn't impress me as much, and then he has been very impressive thus far in senior bowl practices. So what do you see that you like a lot about Herbert? Um, I am definitely buying Khalil Herbert's stock right now, guys. Um, I have him as my running back seven right now, and there is a chance um, you know, he might rise up a little bit. You know, I watched some of his tape his early early on in the season, as you said, Dwight, and he is, he's just a super exciting back. He has one thing I prioritize is if, if you guys, or as you guys can tell from the way I've been talking is vision. And, you know, he was just excellent. He's been excellent in Virginia tech. He was excellent at Kansas also, you know, just finding ways, you know, to gain positive yardage this year. He was super duper efficient for the Hokies and what's really been impressive so far in Senior Bowl 
has been his pass blocking ability. And I feel like that's super underrated. Like there is a clip on Twitter of him going against tough Borland, the Ohio state linebacker who has, I believe like three or four inches on him and like 25 pounds. And Herbert just completely ragdolls him. Like, it's not even like he beats him. He completely embarrasses tough Borland. And so I find that very valuable. Herbert, he measured in a little smaller at the senior bowl. He came in at, uh, five five zero eight seven, so five nine, two hundred four pounds. Um, not as big as I expected, but I do think Khalil Herbert. You know, he has a chance to be a guy in a backfield that could, you know, really help out an NFL team sooner than later. I feel like he's one of the biggest, not just running back. I, he's one of my favorite sleepers in this entire draft. I like he brought up Tough Borland because he's probably the biggest faller in, in all of this. Like he, he's been burnt so many times, and I don't know how many yeah. clips I saw of Tough being <laughs> burned, and then he got burned in the title game. And yeah, poor Tough Borland. Uh, <laughs> he's not having a great so, week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has been having a good month. Poor guy. Sorry, we'll go down a little. We'll go down a little bit more. Maybe speed up a little bit too. We're getting close to that hour mark that we like to try to. We'll stop here, and then Chuba Hubbard's a really interesting name. That I, I'm amazed that he's in day three consideration because, man, why did he go back to school? <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, he came on uh, really the first year of him carrying the load for Oklahoma State. He had over two thousand yards and went back, got hurt, offensive line regressed. And he just wasn't the same player this year that he was last year. In the right fit, he is an absolute home run hitter uh, with good balance. But, I mean, his vision is abysmal. So he needs to be on a team with a good offensive line that can create holes for him. Otherwise, I don't know that I'm going to be interested in him at all at the next level. But, I mean, talk about world-class speed. He was in contention to make Canada's Olympic team as a track athlete. So this guy is a threat to score from anywhere on the field, as long as he has a clear hole that he can see in front of him. That's it. That's it. That's kind of what I have to anything else, Zach? Or? Um, yeah. I mean, like I agree with you guys, you know, Schubert, right. Uh, Schubert, Schubert right now is, uh, you know, he's basically just a speed guy for me. I agree with Joseph. His vision was pretty horrific this year and another thing that was a massive massive turnoff for me when going back in the film 2019 and 2020 was he out of all these guys that we talked about easily he has the worst contact balance like he reminds me a ton not of him as a prospect because this player was almost or he was a first round pick actually uh sony michelle just the way sony michelle's been in the nfl where it's just like if as soon as he gets touched by a defender, he wilts down. Like Chuba Hubbard, I don't trust him between the tackles. You're really going to have to rely on probably on an outside zone scheme. You know, him, you know, running to the outside, relying on that speed. And I just, he's a day three guy for me all the way. I mean, maybe you could coax something out of him, put him in like a speed complementary role, but I'm, I'm not a fan of Chuba. The one thing that has me clinging to hope with him is I think he was more banged up this year than he let on. 
Uh, we've seen how high ankle sprains have limited some of our favorite running backs in the NFL, like Alvin Kamara, as an example from last or 2019, really was not the same after he got hurt. And I think Chuba had a some sort of ankle injury that limited him and the offensive line regressed. So those two things are obviously not a good combination. So I'm holding out hope that he can still be a productive back at the next level. But ultimately, I think he's going to end up being similar to a Raheem Mostert, where they're very fast, can accelerate um, very quickly in a straight line. But Mostert's obviously in a scheme where he's paired with uh, the one guy that can basically make any running back look terrific based on the scheme that the, uh, Shanahan and the 49ers run. So if Chuba ends up on the 49ers, like that's a fit I absolutely love. But I think he's very scheme dependent. Right. And he could end up being a screaming, screaming guy in the drafts too. So, you know, just another name to keep an eye on. Uh, the other name is getting huge, huge buzz this week. And it's just the buzz is growing on him so bad as Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma. And I love that he measured it at 227, was it? Like, it's nice to see him slim down a little bit. If he can show that same power that he had before along with those agile feet like kids got some quick feet for being six foot 230 you know he's he's definitely made himself some money this off season so zach why do you hate him <laughs> he's like <laughs> number 15 come on <laughs> oh. to be fair he's my running back 11 um I just Ramondre, I've, watched, I've watched a few games on him you know maybe i gotta go back to the tape a little bit i just watch him and you know what I, I, I worried about the speed a little bit. I did like his feet, as you brought up, Dwight. You know, he did have very quick feet. He is a very good threat in the uh, receiving game. It was just watching him. I was just like, not really. I just didn't really see that get off. You know, he seemed like a guy who the project, or the way he was used at Oklahoma wasn't really quite the way I projected him in towards the NFL. I've, I probably have to watch a few games. I believe I watched the Oklahoma State game, and I can't say off the top of my head what the other game was. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't think of it right now. But, you know, Stevenson, he's a guy who could rise, too. You know, I should probably watch a little bit more of him. I do that with players sometimes. You know, there's a guy who I'll watch, like, three games of him, like, eh. But then I see other people, like, just completely casting him up. I'm like, oh. Okay, maybe maybe I got to check him out a little bit more. But yeah, I mean Stevenson, he's had a really good Senior Bowl week. He was listed at two forty six, and you know he weighed in at two twenty seven, which is huge because um that's a big that's a big goal for him. Uh, in terms of his speed, uh, I have uh, Oklahoma has him verified according to my numbers at four five four, which would be an awesome time for him. So, yeah, I mean, he has a chance to be, regardless of how I view him, he's definitely a guy who could be a day-two pick. Joseph, on your list, who's one more guy who you are pounding the table for, or one guy who you're trying to get in your rookie drafts this year from the rest of the guys we haven't talked about? Um, you have Kylan Hill ranked where I do. Um, so I'm going to take a second just to talk about J.B. and Hawkins from Louisville. Um, Hawkins did not do much as a pass catcher throughout his career, which is a bit concerning for a player of his size. Um, but I think he looks like someone who would be able to catch passes, um, based on the limited exposure that I saw where he was doing that. And he's lightning quick. Um, I think 
he's a similar type of player to Chuba, but I think he has better vision and he's a little bit smaller. But the one thing I love about Hawkins is he's been in the weight room every year. He's put on uh, 10 to 15 pounds each year. And I think he's up to like 195 or something. Whereas he started his college career, I think in the 160s. Um, so he's put on a ton of weight. He ran in the four threes out of high school. Uh, so he's a burner that is dedicated to adding some weight to make sure that he projects to the NFL. And he's a player I like a lot. My one concern with him, besides draft capital, is the pass catching, but he seems like someone that would be able to do it. Honestly, he reminds me of Philip Lindsay, a slightly bigger version of Philip Lindsay, if he truly is 190-something right now. And I think we've seen Lindsay show the ability to catch passes, although the Broncos don't use him like that either. So I think he could be a very nice complimentary running back at the next level with the ability to carry the load if needed. But of all the guys that are left, really the way I look at the running back position is draft capital first after the guys I view as elite talents. Then after that, I want to either see an elite trait from them or some sort of all-around skill set. I think there are guys like Kylan Hill and Khalil Herbert that can do it all but maybe not at as high of a level as some of the others. Or I want to see something where uh, they have something that will get them onto the field, whether that's um, elite pass blocking or pass protection, not necessarily something that will garner fantasy points, but that gets you on the field, or elite pass catching like a Kenny Gainwell. Those are a couple guys that I like. Uh, That's really how I ultimately look at the position from a draft capital and running back lens in general, I would say. but Zach, I don't know if there's one guy out of the rest of the list that you have, um, who would it be and why? Out of the rest of the guys, day three, you know, the day three guys for a reason for me. But one guy who super intriguing to me is the Michigan kid, Chris Evans. You know, um, he's had some issues. He was suspended 2019 uh, for an academic issue. And, you know, this past year he played, I believe, only the only – he didn't get a lot of carries, you know, he finished a year 16 of 73 and wound up leaving the team. So there's some off the field issues that need to be ironed out there. But in terms of like talent, you know, he's a super efficient runner. He's got good speed. He's got good size at the senior bowl. He weighed in at, he was 5'10", 219. So he was a, he's a pretty, you know, healthy, he's a healthy young man, you know, I can definitely see him being a nice value late in the draft. We'll see how these off-the-field issues iron out. We'll see if maybe he possibly even gets drafted. But he's another guy who's looked pretty solid at the Senior Bowl so far. And, you know, he could be a really nice value if he lands in the right situation in the NFL. I'm a big Chris Evans fan. Yeah, me too. And now that he's not playing Captain America anymore, he can go to the NFL. Yeah. (laughs) What? Oh, sorry. I got sidetracked. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, guys. Bad joke. The, the only other name that I we, we talked to a little bit, we brushed on Kylan Hill a little bit, and I, I love watching Jarrett Patterson at Buffalo. I'd like to see him find a role in the NFL. I know that he's, you know, obviously got some things to worry about. Let me see if I got my notes real quick on him. I liked his vision, his change of direction, how he create. He seemed like he created well on his own. Could stop, start on the dime. He's also shown a little bit of pass catching chops, but not much. It's not like they just wanted to run him into the ground. So. Uh, obviously his size and his level of competition will always be big knocks. So I'd like to see him find a spot in the NFL. Just a guy that I'm just kind of rooting for, honestly. So that's pretty much all I got on the the running backs. 
it's not a very great class. You know, some people have said, you know, it's, it's pretty rough past those top three. And I think a couple of these guys could be fantasy producers. So it'd be interesting to see how it shakes out. Zach, can you tell everybody what, where they can find you on Twitter and what you're working on right now, bud? All right, man. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter. It is at NFL underscore Dietz. That is D-I-E-T-Z. And, you know, NFL Draft Bible just merging with Foundation and Sports Illustrated. It's been an incredible opportunity. You know, it's not just myself, but a ton of work goes into it. We are churning out tons and tons of content. We have live shows. We have, you know, senior bowl coverage of every single position. Everybody gives 100%. It's a great group. And I would highly recommend to all you guys to come check it out because we're doing something awesome over there. I appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Well, thank you for coming on, Zach. It's uh, the Draft Bible is a name that, you know, over the last six months, I've really come to use you guys' site more and more. And you guys do a lot of really good work over there. So, And Joseph, tell them uh, what your Twitter handle is, what you're working on over there at DLF. So I am on Twitter at jnamore24. I'm a senior writer over at DLF. The last month or so, I have churned out a Trevor Lawrence, Devontae Smith, and Terrace Marshall draft profile. My big article that I've mentioned on here the last couple episodes, I'm doing a top 100 rookies article for fantasy purposes uh, over at DLF. It's Dynasty League Football, so look for that in the coming weeks. Uh, but very excited to get that finished up and published. All right, you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ. Doing some writing over the Dynasty Nerds, working in the film room. I have my own, the Debbie Manual has its own film channel as well. I'm starting to finally get back into that a little bit more as I find time. Just making more prospect videos. So, like today, I put up one of Dwayne Eskridge. If you want to watch his game versus Central Michigan, hop on the Debbie Manual YouTube channel. Pretty good game. He had four catches for 212 yards. That's pretty good. Um, so check that out. You can find this podcast at Debbie Manual, and we will be back next week with, uh, I don't know, if we can do a whole show on tight ends or not, we'll, we'll probably do a Senior Bowl recap and then talk about the four or five good tight ends that are coming into this draft. So we will talk to you guys next week. Forget about the Mountain West, the Mac that can flex. Something is next. Ivy League fresh, literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast. <laughs>